Hello and welcome to Lady Time, a podcast for those of us navigating midlife. I'm your host, Joe McGregor, and my guest today is Frank Hines. Frank is the co-founder and CEO of Job Changer, an enterprise he set up to help people find work they truly love and are passionate about. He works with people from all career areas who want to change their current work situation, and he joins me today to talk about just that. You're very welcome to Lady Time, Frank. I'm delighted to have you on. Thank you very much, Jill. And uh, thank you for inviting me along. I'm really delighted to be here. And uh, hopefully that maybe what I have to say might be of some benefit to somebody. I don't know. I think it's a it's a huge area in life. And uh, I just feel that maybe, maybe it has something, it might be some little tips for people to pick up. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there will, uh, because it really is. And it's quite topical, especially after the last two years. You know, a lot of people are actually changing jobs as well and had, you know, those last this last two years to kind of reevaluate their lives and all sorts of things like that as well. Now, <clears throat> you this is a great topic and you work mostly with 35 to 55 year olds. Now, at 35, people tend to want to either up a level of the job, career or path that they're in or maybe change as well. But for different reasons that we would when we get to late 40s, early 50s, generally people I have found anyway myself at that stage often just want to do something completely different. Uh, but you work with that entire age category in any case. So tell me, what inspired you to set up Job Changer? Yeah, well, Jill, I was 28 years working in uh, the public sector. I was working with Chagask. And while I had some great times over those years, I was lucky enough to have changed roles and changed locations a number of times throughout those years. But there was always something at the back of my mind that I wanted something more. I wanted something different. And there were always issues you know, throughout my career that I felt like really leaving, you know, in, in a hurry from time to time, uh, but it never seemed to arise. And I would say probably five or six years before I left, I had uh, very definite intentions of leaving, or at least I thought I had very definite intentions of leaving. And, and yet it took all those years to actually take action. And, you know, during those, you know, six years approximately, I was doing a lot of research into finding out what I wanted to do. I was trying to figure out how to figure it out, if, if, if I can put it that way. And I found it very difficult to find information that would actually help me point me in the right direction. I found that I could see lots of jobs being advertised that I could do or that I felt I could do and there might have a chance of, of getting. I couldn't really ever see the job that I would say really would inspire me. And then I started looking at it in a different approach and I looking at companies that, um, companies that, you know, might give me work in, in an area similar to what I was doing. And at, at some point along there, I realized that, you know what, I'm really only going from the frying pan into the fire because, you know, there was a lot good about what I was doing. So I needed to find something where I would feel a bit more inspired. And that was where the real challenge was. And, you know, at, at one point I got to a stage where I could, you know, get a, I got a clear vision of what I wanted in my future career. And at that point, I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to create that job myself. And then I started looking at, you know, off our, uh, I look at self-employment options and, you know, I came up with a number of different options and I was almost ready to press the button on one of those. When suddenly I looked back and I said, there are so many people like me that have gone through 
many years maybe in frustration and disappointment and unhappy in their jobs. And I said, if I could show them what I have done really over that six year period, but instead of taking six years to do it, if I could show them that in a much shorter period of time, there in itself was the basis of a business. But there is a basis of something that I can actually help people because I genuinely believe that we as people are entitled to find happiness in our work. We're entitled to feel appreciated. We're entitled to be appreciated by our employers, by our colleagues, etc. And if those things aren't right, we can be very, very unhappy. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a pity that we go through life and spend so much of our time unhappy at work, considering we spend such a, part, a large part of our work, uh, our time at work. And, you know, while we often have great intentions of not bringing home our problems from work, it's almost impossible not to do that. And, you know, you're in, if you're under pressure at work, you're going to be under pressure at home. You'll come home, you'll be, you'll be in bad mood or whatever, and the people around you end up suffering. So I think it's important. I, I certainly believe for me it was important, and I would like to help other people do that. And that's really what inspired me to do this and to set this particular business up. Uh, so that, that's where, where that came from, Jill. That, that's really amazing, the whole process that you've just, just described. Um, what could, could you describe a little bit about why it may have taken you the six years to get from A to that final point of Z, let's say, of getting there? Because I know you said you were going to help people to do it a little bit faster. But what was going on in you that do you think that made you take say six years because I can totally relate to you myself I'm 22 years in my job and for quite a maybe two or three years I've been thinking I really want to move into something else but I actually don't really 100% know what I want to do so how describe your process a little bit if you don't mind Okay, I, 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 yeah, I, I think to me, there's, there's probably two things, really. One is procrastination. And we all tend to procrastinate, even if with, with the best intentions of the world, we tend to procrastinate. And unless you're conscious that you're doing it, you, uh, you do it unconsciously. <laughs> and you, if you're doing it unconsciously, it just time is ticking by. And there were a number of there were a number of things that happened in the number of in the last probably six months before I left, that actually triggered me into taking action and taking decisive action, and they were they had a real huge influence uh, on my decisions or on my on my my decisions to actually make the move. But the but it was a bigger issue before that is is actually I wasn't clear on what I wanted, and I didn't know how to figure out what I wanted. And again, I think most people probably don't know how to figure out what they want. And since I started this business i've been frequently invited to do talks at, at you know seminars or webinars or whatever and one of the questions i would regularly ask an audience is you know why do they do what they do i mean if i'm dealing with farmers why do you farm why do you get up in the morning to go out and farm or, or if you're in a, in a if you're working as a as a nurse or if you're working as a as an engineer or if you're working as a painter or a decorator or whatever why do you do what you do and I, I get several answers, but I can actually, what I believe I can get, categorize the answers into four different things. And if I, I share those with you, uh, the first thing people automatically think is, well, I, I go to work because I want to earn a living. I need money. I need money. And when you delve into that in a little bit deeper, there's kind of two things we need money for. And 
one of them is basic our literally our basic needs we need to put food on the table to put a roof over our heads to put clothes on our back etc they're the basic needs and we need to know that you know we'll have a job and an income next week and the week after not just today or not just this week so that's that's really the, the first one is literally to provide our basic essentials the second thing and these are they, i've done this across a whole range of different audiences ask the same question second one would be a sense of belonging people like to have a sense of belonging at work it's you know working as part of a team even if you're in an office on your own you're probably part of a bigger network and you make contact through the phone or through medium like this is a zoom or whatever so you ha- you do feel you're part of a team and you're you know you have you have colleagues that maybe you can meet maybe you can go for coffee with or maybe you can maybe you can go for a social drink with or whatever but you you feel a sense of belonging the third area then is the whole area of self-esteem and self-actualization you know people like to feel they're making a contribution feel good about their about themselves feel good about what they're doing they feel that they're valued and appreciated and to me, this is one of the areas that can cause a huge amount of problems because, you know, for example, you might be very interested in doing a good job and feeling valued and feeling you're making a contribution, contribution to your clients or maybe a contribution to your colleagues. And you might be working alongside someone else. Maybe maybe I'm there, you know, possibly your line manager or your boss or a manager or something. And I have a totally different uh, outlook i want to really reach the top of the organization and it it might feel to you like i'm prepared to step on you just to get what i want and there can be quite uh, often a breakdown in relationships and there's been often written that people don't leave jobs people leave people or people leave bad bosses or people leave managers and you know it's it, it that is to me is one of the biggest areas that causes a huge amount of problems um, but those are the, those are three of the areas, and if you you realise that those, I mean, there's there's basic need and the sense of security and safety, there's the belonging, and then there's self esteem and self actualization. Those can be summarised by Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But I think, and I get the feeling that when I talk it, to people, is that they want a little bit more. And what I would group the other areas, the fourth area would be those of our values and the things that are of, of value to you. And it's, you know, here I'm talking about things like integrity and honesty, doing honest days work for an honest day's pay. And if you feel you're at work and you're being asked to do something that you're, you know, you're you, you're maybe undermining your customers or you're finding some way of getting the last bit of money out of your customers. And that doesn't maybe sit well with you. If you have if you are if you're all about honesty and integrity and yet your your company or your manager is out to, to do something different or maybe you have a, a valuable work life work-life um, balance you like you value your, your your that you have plenty of time to spend with your family and yet you're working all the hours that you can to make money and it doesn't and then you're too tired maybe at the weekend or whatever to enjoy it so if it doesn't fit in with your 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 work-life balance again it's another area so that's your, that's the fourth area and i i find that usually there is something wrong with at least one of those and probably more than one of those and that's what leads to an awful lot of, of unhappiness and you know, maybe it hasn't. So it's it's maybe when I was when I was looking at my you know considering leaving, I wasn't really even clear initially at those of, the, of what exactly were the problems, or what were the reasons I wanted to leave. And uh, you know, eventually, I suppose I got to the point where I realised this. You know, the, there were certain values that I had that I couldn't meet them within the workplace, and they made me very unhappy. 
And I think if people can identify, if they can start by identifying what are the important things and what are the things they want, then they have a far greater chance of making a successful change. If it's if it's a change that they need to make, and maybe not, you know, sometimes people go through all of this and they realize that, you know, what I can do is I can make changes within my existing job. Maybe I don't need to actually leave the company at all. You know, there, but but that maybe I can stay in the existing job as long as I know what I want to get out of this, and maybe I can mold my current job to suit the requirements as long as I get clear on what I want. So I suppose I don't know how that really answers your question. Oh, but it, but it was it was know. it was when I became clear of what I wanted. That's that's when I started to to make much more definite uh, more, more definite decisions about leave. I mean, there's huge food for thought in what, uh, on those four points, Frank. Uh, you know, I'm even just feeling myself resonate so much with those four points. It's, it's um, quite deep. And the values and the integrity are the things I resonate with the most of what you said. And people will resonate with different things in that. I mean, do you think how many people do you, you know, what is the percentage of people do you think that are actually unhappy in their jobs? Or what's the percentage of people you think are truly happy in their jobs? Like both questions. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of studies that have been done. Uh, and there's one study that comes to mind. It was a Gallup study that was done in 2019. I think it was reported in 2019. And it identifies, and it was a fairly large survey. I don't, no, the figures off the top of my head and of, of, of the numbers of people that were participating, but were quite large numbers. And of the population that's, that, that took part in the study, 15% indicated that they were properly engaged in their work. That meant 85% were declaring they weren't engaged. And a lot, lots of surveys show that of the order of 80 to 85% are not happy at work. There was a, a LinkedIn study came out around the same time and that showed very similar figures. I think it was 85% of people on LinkedIn indicated that they were not happy at work. Now, and when you look, when you, and when you look at a bit closer at that, something of, of the order of half of those literally hate what they're doing. And I just read a report in the last few days of a, a recent study of about 10,000 people in the US. And they were indicated that something, something of the order of 57% of people are seriously considering leaving their job. Where there's something like 47 or 48 percent actively pursuing that. Now, when you think about it, a very large proportion of people who are not happy at work never do anything about it. They just sit, sit back and they wait until such time as they retire. And I've had people have said that to me themselves. You know, I'm going to wait until I get my pension. I'm going to wait until I retire. I'm in a permanent pensionable job and I'll put up with it until then or, you know, for various reasons to put up with it. So the level of, you know, so, so the, the, the 57 percent. Uh, thinking of leaving doesn't reflect the number that are actually not happy. It just reflects the number of people who are seriously planning on doing something about it. So the, the, there's quite another. So I would say of the order of 80 to 85 percent are not happy with at least half of those totally hating their job. And that's it's a it's a to me, it's a pity that people live that way, you know, and, you know, we've all we all have all sorts of reasons not to move on and, you know, not to, or not to try and do something about it. And I suppose I would have used those myself. You know, I was in a decent job. I had good pay. I had debts. I had borrowings. I needed to pay those debts. So I needed the secure income. I had I had a mortgage in my house. I had a growing family, you know, who were attending third level college and I needed to be able to support those. 
Um, so, th so all of those were very good reasons for me to stay. But at the same time, and, and most people will have very good reasons to stay. But I would say, you know, if, if you're not happy, challenge yourself to at least take some sort of steps to figure out what, what you might do or how you might go about changing. And, you know, the fear of the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, fear, fear that it will go wrong, the fear of jumping out from the flying frying pan into the fire. Maybe you get into worse off in the new job. Those are huge things. But by doing the proper homework and doing a bit of figuring out, you can actually eliminate those problems or those risks a huge amount. So, you know, I don't know whether that, again, does that, that uh, answers, answers your question, Jill. But, oh. you know, I, I think they're, they're, the numbers that are out there that are not happy are, are actually phenomenal. And, you know, I think you mentioned the 35-year-olds versus the, you know, the people in their late 40s. Definitely they have a different different outlook of what they want. You know, the people maybe in their 30, 35-year-old want to get something where they can actually grow and Get a de develop a proper career for themselves in the future. Maybe people late in their late forties or early fifties. Maybe what they want at that stage is something where they can enjoy their time, enjoy their their personal life more, but enjoy their work as well, and 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 build that build that in. But I would say, you know, let's figure out what you want and then try and find it. If that answers. Uh, to Oh, it does, and um, you know, it's a shockingly high percentage of people that are are not happy in their jobs. I mean, what do you? Why do you think that is that there's such a low level of job dissatisfaction? I mean, is it is it societal? Do you think it's the way jobs are set up, or what do you think? Yeah, I I, I was listening. There's a couple of things, and I was listening to I was listening to a TED talk today by a guy by the name of, of Simon Sinek. He wrote a number of books. He's written uh, Find Your Why or Start Your Why, uh, Start With Why. He has written a book, Eaters, um, Leaders Eat Last. And he, he it, was, it was actually a, a TED talk in relation to the Leaders Eat Last was the one that I, I was listening to today. And he has done a number of, of, of what I consider to be very insightful uh, TED talks. But this one, he talked about that a lot of managers might be good managers, but they're not leaders. And they're actually, they, they, they have been promoted into positions of seniority because they can drive people. But driving people is not nearly as effective as leading people, as inspiring people. And, you know, you can be a very good leader at the bottom of the, the, the hierarchical chain in an organization. And if you have somebody who is maybe blocking your opportunities to lead other people and the organization seems to lead other people it can leave you very dissatisfied even though you are a very effective leader and i think that, that there can be a bit of a problem there can be a bit of a problem there and so i i, I think that's probably a, a one very significant factor in why people you know put up with what you know the, the, the situation they're in and i mean as, as the same reasons as i mentioned you know we people we put up with what we're in because of our you know, financial commitments and we feel that maybe we owe it to other people. You know, oftentimes we even get in an organisation that we're actually maybe one of the most senior people there. We've been there a long time and we feel almost like we owe it to our organisation. We owe it to the people around us. Or maybe we even feel good that our colleagues come to us as the expert in a certain area and that people, you feel that people look up to you and, you're, and, you're, and, and there's the risk that by changing you leave all that behind you 
But again, I would say there are ways and means of bringing those the skills that you have there. You know, you have most of us have a lot of transferable skills that skills that we can bring from almost any organization to almost any completely different organization. And if we can figure out what those are, you know, we you know, we, we, we often identify ourselves with the career we're in. For example, people say, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a, a healthcare worker. You know, it's, you know, frequently been said, you know, these the, 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 since, since the problem of COVID and all that. People identify themselves by what they do, or I'm an engineer, I'm a painter and decorator. You know, wh whereas what's far more important is what's, to me, is what's under that. What what drives you? Can you figure out what drives you and what inspires you? And if you can, you can figure. If you can figure out that, then you can start figuring out where can you get that job that will actually inspire you, or where you can actually um, express yourself, express your 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 feelings, express your your your, your desires. So that's uh, where I where I would feel. Uh, I have often thought that the hierarchical structure is not conducive to really good um, good teamwork. To be honest and you're right an awful lot of people are put into senior positions that are not necessarily very good with people uh either um what do you what do you think of the hierarchical structure because that goes into all of our society that's everywhere and if you have any thoughts on it maybe you don't but if you do what kind of structure would you replace that with I haven't really considered what and what sort of a structure to replace it with, but I, I feel some more care in relation to the type of people that actually, you know, that that leaders are identified. And one of the biggest problems with, you know, there's a, there's a famous quote that says, "When the leader's job is finished, the people say we did it ourselves," and that's fine. And the leader is usually quite happy to have led a team and inspired the team, and the the team collectively feel that we did this. And, and you mentioned there the importance of teamwork and people like to be part of a team. And, and absolutely they do. And you know, with a, a leader can lead the team to do a great job. And at the end of it, every member of the team feels that they have made a contribution, that we have done this, isn't it great? And the leader is quite happy that. But the problem is if if the you know with with the with the quote will say that. When the leader's job is finished, the people say we did it ourselves. It's very easy for somebody to actually claim responsibility because the leader doesn't stand out as having done it, even though that leader has actually inspired all the people around them. So that can actually be a bit of a frustration within within the hierarchy. And yeah, I I, I don't know what's the solution, but I believe if if there's a if there's a greater emphasis on leadership skills, and I, you know I'm talking about the leadership skills like you know being able to motivate people, being a good team player, and you know, for, for years, you know, I used to hear, you know, to you should identify your weaknesses and work on those. I actually believe it's a greater thing to identify your strengths and work on those. Become an expert at your strengths and use team colleagues who are actually good in the areas that you're weak. And together you can build a much, much stronger team and you have a collaborative approach to stuff. And, you know, those are the type of skills. If, if, if you have the ability to identify everybody's strengths and build your team based on that fair enough if there are some you know you if, if, if there are some skills then that are still missing either hire people to deal with those or you know in, encourage collectively the team to actually address those at least we're we're in this together we're actually trying to address this together and perhaps 
you know, some that are already weak in certain areas can develop strengths in the in, in particular areas. But to me, it's far more important to actually work on your strengths and and work on the strengths of other team team members. So how it works as, as regards a hierarchy, I'm not really too sure. But certainly, some form of a matrix management certainly can help that. Again, if it's effective and if it's if the right people are in the right are, are in the right positions to lead as opposed to drive. That's that's just my opinion. I haven't considered what the what the hierarchy or how the how the structure might be might be organised, but I, I I'm I'm sure there might be there might be some thoughts on that from other people. I don't know. Um, it reminds me of when I was in back in college about fifteen years ago, and we had to come up, you know, in just a small exercise in class, we had to come up with, you know, a, a, a structure for a team. And I, I just couldn't because I don't like hierarchical structures and we're talking about a whole paradigm shift across the world to change that. Um, but I, I thought, well, what else could we do? So I drew um, a circle with a, a point in the middle, a dot in the middle, and that was the leader. And, and they weren't at the top of it. They were in the middle. They were a leader with spokes like a, like a bicycle wheel with spokes going out to all of the team. And uh, I remember handing it in and he said, Jill, there's only about maybe 5% of people would come up with that structure, you know. So it all, it, it, it did. I'd never thought of it before that ever. And I thought, I wonder, is that a way that you could have a team? But obviously uh, that's a whole other. But it, 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 it does sound something that would have a lot of merit, uh, Jill. And, you know, uh, you know something that's that's certainly something that's certainly a, a feature I think in future is that teams will be built of diverse groups of people, diff, diff, different people from all sorts, maybe maybe even you know different organisations coming together to 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 operate as a team together for for the, the betterment of something other. Some there's maybe a number of different organisations come together. To, to to deliver a particular project, and the structure that you just mentioned to me is is perfectly uh, would perfectly suit something like that because then you have you have the leader, shall we say, in the middle who is trying to make sure that all the people from the all all the various organisations make a contribution, and the person in the end, in in the centre doesn't really have any authority over all of those people, or at least has has authority over very few of them. So it's important that the that the leader is actually able to inspire those people to to become involved and to deliver what they can and to deliver to their strengths, you know, right? Because because the the, the the traditional management system will not work in that situation because if if you're from one organisation and you're coming into part of a part of a team with different people and there's, there's a there's somebody at the centre who's who's running it, that person doesn't have authority over you, and if they're asking you to do something that you don't want to do. It's really not going to be very effective. It'd be far more significant if that person could inspire you to do it and could inspire you to want to do it. And maybe to collectively that leader through the team builds a vision for whatever the project they're doing. And then every member around those, all of those spokes that you talk about, that every single person feels that they're actually making a contribution to this project and they, they collectively own it and a far, far greater chance of achieving significant results and, and very positive results. So I think actually, Jill, your suggestion is very positive. It's a very, you know, it would be it would be something that will that has that has a lot of merit for the future. Well, I mean it comes back to your point earlier about the leader needs to be 
really a good leader. What are the qualities of a good leader, do you think? Yeah, I I, I think that's a, that's a, the first thing in, in my view is being good at communications, but being a good communicator initially verbally, but also maybe written, but good communication in the, in the, in the sense that they can actually build relationships and be a good listener to be able to hear what the other people have to say. You know, if you're, you're it, the, the, if, you, if you think back to the, the, the four areas that I mentioned um, of being important in terms of the sense of, of uh, having your basic needs and, and safety needs, and then there's a sense of belonging, the self-esteem and self-actualization, and then there's the value, values. The belonging and the self-esteem and self-actualization are very, very much dependent on relationships. The belonging is since you feel part of a team. The self-esteem and self-actualization, it's really, do you feel valued and do you feel appreciated for your contribution? And that's really, do your colleagues, your, your, the people, whether they're above you or below you, do they value your contribution? And, you know, a significant part of that would be building relationships so that everybody feels valued and they feel that they're making a contribution. And, you know, that if, if there is something wrong, you, you know, get the feedback through communication initially and be able to address that. So that, that's, 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 to me, probably one of the first, first areas. You've already referred earlier to teamwork. And I think being able to lead a team, being able to even just play your part in a team is very important. You don't, have, you don't have to be the team leader, but you may, you can still be a leader within the group. You can have an influence on the people around you. And, you know, we've, rugby has been a huge uh, sport in recent years in Ireland. And we regularly hear there on a, on a, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, we're listening to the, the commentary. And it's quite common that the reporters will say that there's great leaders all over the field. And, you know, that it's, while there's, there's one captain and there's maybe one vice captain, you have a whole lot of other people who are actually able to make a decision, who are able to bring in other players into the into into action, or you know, make sure that they they have a part to play. They're able to motivate the people around them, and oftentimes, maybe towards the end of a game, when they want particular skills, the the management bring on certain players, maybe with a bit of experience, to bring that extra bit of leadership to carry the team over the line for the last 15, 20 minutes. And you know, so I think in 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 our work situation. The same thing applies. We need to have those type of skills of of being a good team player, communication, being able to being able to bring your colleagues into play and bringing your colleagues into into work. Um, I suppose the other another area there would be being able to solve problems, identify the situation, maybe examine the facts that are there. You know, oftentimes we talk about people think when you talk about being being a good analysis expert or whatever that we think in terms of mathematical terms. But it may not be, it might be, you know, some problem that might arise at work. Can you think critically on it? Can you identify possible solutions? Maybe use innovative methods. Those are all leadership skills. And those, to me, are the qualities of leaders that, that, that leaders bring to the table. And, you know, the, the, again, the problem is, you know, lots of people have those skills, but they often don't get to use them. And it's an, it's a, it can be a frustrating point for people in their workplace, if they don't get to use them, they feel that they feel they're being used and feel feel they're not getting a chance to express themselves, etc. And you know, so I I I think you know encouraging those leadership skills has a huge part to play in in, in people's job satisfaction. 
do you think uh, slightly off on a little tangent there but do you think that there's there's difference between the way men and women uh, work in the workplace and what their needs are when it comes to wanting to change jobs and change direction as well if you find a difference between the sexes yeah I, I, I think oftentimes I think it, you know women probably tend to maybe admit their challenges probably more readily and this is only from my experience and you know it may, it may not be across the board but I would think that men would tend to be more macho and less likely to admit to some of the challenges that they're having at work and whereas women would be much more readily admit the challenges that they're facing and you know it's it's uh, men might find it harder to put their hand up and say you know what I need a bit of help here whereas women would be more positive and more open to that and, and realize that you know there's more to there's more to life than putting up with this whereas a man oftentimes might feel you know I, I can't I can't give up this job because you know the my household is dependent on it I need to provide I need to be the provider whereas women tend to recognize more so the importance of their own health and their own set job satisfaction etc now that said you know a lot of women still you know remain unhappy in a particular job you know maybe ultimately they feel quite happy about the job they're actually doing but it's the fair value and i i've you know there's there's a there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years about the healthcare workers and about the you know the the, the there's um, let's say nurses in particular that come to mind and that you know something that nurses would absolutely have always been brilliant at is actually looking after the patients and their but their the, the care of the patients will be utmost of utmost importance to them and yet over time because of there's been maybe a, a rundown of the number of, of, of number of staff that nurses find themselves overworked not having the opportunity to, to spend the time with the patients that they that they would really want to do they feel themselves um, more involved in, in management issues or reporting issues etc all of course that has to be done but it, it undermines the amount of time they get to spend with their patients and there can be a bit of a friction there so they oftentimes put up with the difficulties that they're facing because they take such pride in looking after and taking care of the patients and they get well, they get great appreciation maybe from the patients but they don't feel it they don't feel it coming from the organization because there's a hierarchy again in the organization and they're they're being forced in certain directions and i i feel that might be a bit of a bit of a of an issue but but certainly as regards putting their hands up and saying that they have issues i think women are far more likely to put their hand up and say yeah look at i need help i need to do something about this i need to i need to make changes whatever it is so that i can actually get on and enjoy my life you know so uh, that's that's you know just uh, again it's a, it's 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 a it's sort of an observation that i've had over over the last couple of years when i've been working in this area and that makes sense because men are sort of programmed from a young age to be the provider even though things have changed so much in the last God, in the last 20 years anyway, you know, where often the two, the, the two, the couple have to work 
to keep all the balls in the air as well. But uh, and also women ha- tend to have a lot more outlet with their friends to talk about this, that and the other. And they're getting advice from their friends or whatever. You know, they'll they'll take advice a lot easier in general. I mean, we're speaking very generally here. Um, uh, what do you you know, Whence I was just thinking about this before we came on. And I have been thinking about what, you know, what you have been telling me about the decision that took you six years to get to your final decision. Um, do you think that the, that there's a, pro- I suppose everyone's different, but is there a process? In your case, there was a process to get to that decision. But once you make the decision, is that what generates the change itself, do you think? Or is it the whole process that one needs to go through? The reason I'm asking you that, because people could be listening to this and going, oh God, you know, there could be someone that just makes a a decision, that's it, they're gone. And then it all happens. But for me personally say, and I know a lot of people like this, it takes a while to make it. But once I have ever made a decision in my life, all the doors just started opening afterwards. And I suppose it's a bit of a, rhetorical question really you know so I I, I, no I think there's a lot of merit in the question and I think you know I I, I, something I I speak I I, I use a reference in in uh, in a number of again a number of talks that I give and I refer to the late John F Kennedy he made a very famous speech it was the Rice University speech in 1962 September 1962 I think it was and in this, in that speech, he said, we choose to go to the moon. He said, we choose to go to the moon. And he repeated that three times. We choose to go to the moon in this decade. And he said, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Now, there was a big race on to get to space between the Americans and the Russians at the time. And I mean, I... To me, certainly, John F. Kennedy did not know how that his team from of Americans were going to get to the moon in that decade in the 60s. But he made in that declaration, to me, he bought the he bought the American people. He got the support of the American people. And there was there was a because it was a there was a very costly NASA program and it was costing the Americans a lot of money. And there was question marks being hung over it. But once he made that decision. There were suddenly became a he and he, he inspired the people to to basically to cheer him on and he bought the support of people and it actually in my view led to the actual landing of uh, is it Apollo eleven on the moon in nineteen sixty nine when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon for the was the first man to walk on the moon now I I, I I'm, I'm using that as an example because when John F Kennedy would have made the statement in nineteen sixty two. To me, he had no idea how it was going to happen. But yet, in my view, that declaration had a huge influence on the decision. So what's that got to do with anybody in changing careers? I would say if you're if you're if you want, if there are problems and you want to either change jobs or you want to at least change the situation you're in, and you maybe you you may, can, may do that without having to change jobs. If you make a decision, I'm going to do something about it, and you make a definite commitment to yourself. It's then you can start to see doors opening. There is a process I believe in following. You know, most of us, when we have when we left school, 
we went off to maybe third level college or maybe we did an apprenticeship or maybe maybe we went straight into a job. Depending on maybe our, our, our leave insert results. And still today, there are people leaving, you know, that are doing the leave insert and they qualify for a particular course. Maybe it's not their first choice, maybe not even their second choice, but they do it because it's what they get. It's because of the course they qualify. And they haven't really given any serious consideration to what they really deep down want to do, what they would find, what they would find as a satisfactory career. And there's a lot of people leave university in the first, second or third year before they ever qualify because they've actually chosen the wrong course. And even people who want to continue are unhappy. And, in, and I wonder how many of the 85% of people who are not happy have actually drifted in their career as opposed to made any serious plan. Have they ever any really thought of what to do? And even people who are changing careers, one of the fears is that they will leave a job and maybe start up and take take on another job. And they have they're doing it in the hope that the other job will provide that satisfaction, that all elusive dream for them. Whereas if they follow us, you know, a, a more logical step and I would step by step process, I feel the the decision, first of all, is I'm going to do something, whatever it is. You can figure out later, you can figure out afterwards what steps you're going to take. But people will then tend to apply for jobs and they're forgetting a number of key steps in between. And I believe there are a couple of key steps and each of those steps can be broken down into smaller steps in as well. But the, the second step is literally figure out what is it that I really want. Figure out what are the things that will inspire me? What are the things that are going to motivate me in the future? So that I can actually target a job that will actually enable me to do those things in the future. So if you can figure out what you want, then you can start looking at the next step is, okay, where am I likely to get that job? What type of companies? What are, what are the specific companies? Or do I need to set up my own business to be able to, I mean, I, at the point, when I was at that point, when I got to that point, when I figured out what I wanted, it was then I decided, actually, I'm not going to find this job that's going to satisfy all the things that I require. So I'm going to have to set up my own business. And once you once you decide then whether it's set up your own business or whether it's go for a particular job, then you can put your plan in place. Then you can put your CV together. Then you can put your letter of application together and apply for that job or, or, or talk to the relevant people to figure out specifically what this specific job is. But each of those, those are the four, to me, four key steps. And as I said, we could break down into numerous other steps, but make the decision, figure out what you want, figure out where you can find that and then go for it. Whereas most people will make a half-hearted decision and they apply for a job that they see advertised or that the hero is going. And they've skipped out the skipped to me what would be the two most important steps in between is what do I really want and where can I find it? And so that's you know, maybe that's the process I suppose that I would help people through in when I when I'm working with people on a one-to-one -one basis or even in groups, that's this the process that really that I would help people through. So um yeah, I I I feel I feel, you know, most of us, as I said, drift through life. We drift through our careers and we, you know, we arrive at a certain point and we look back and say, how on earth did I get here? I never planned to be here, but yet this is where I am. And, you know, you know, until we start to plan and I would say, really, it's never too late. I mean, if somebody's in their late 40s, in their 50s, even in their 60s, if it's never too late, to, you know, you're entitled to enjoy your life, you're entitled to happiness, you're entitled to have an inspiring life. And, you know, okay, one of the, one of the, 
one of the key decision makers for me when I was deciding to leave was I considered, you know, what happens in five or 10 years time? Do I want to look back and say, you know, what? I wonder what it would have been like had I changed. I wonder what it would have been like had I set up my own business. Or do I want to say, look, at, I want to go look, I want to be able to look back and say, you know, even if it didn't work, at least I tried. At least I gave it a shot. At least I gave it my best shot. And, you know, I, I think it'd be fair. I would, I would be fair happy to look back and say, at least I tried rather than saying, oh, God, I wish I tried. <laughs> so I, that, that's um, that's something I think, you know, that, that um, we can all do to some degree. We can all, you know, and, you know, again, I, I was a fear of a lack of income is, is something. But, you know, people can do these things. You don't you don't have to spend all of your time trying to figure it out. You can. If you if you follow a step by step process, a logical process, you can do a lot of this in a little bit of spare time. Maybe maybe spend a bit less time watching television while you're figuring this out. Spend less time following the latest Netflix uh, edition of whatever it is. You know that. So you know we spend we we spend an awful lot of time doing things maybe on social media that you know maybe we're better off trying to figure things out for ourselves uh, so that we can actually make that. Career changes, or whether it's as I said, whether it's within the existing job, or whether it's changing jobs altogether. But if we if we spend the time wisely, we have an awful lot more time than we actually realise. So, oh, they are such uh, wise points that you've just made. Made. I was going to actually ask you how do you work with someone, but you've more or less just described that. Uh, such uh, amazing nuggets of of information and wisdom as you have imparted in this conversation today, Frank, uh, you've really got me thinking. And you know, I am that person that sort of drifted into my job, really nice job as well. But you know, I have drifted into it and everything that you have said, I can completely relate to. You, you know, it really is. And I'm sure, especially if 85% of the people are unhappy in their jobs. Anyone listening to this will get great value from this conversation with you. Um, I would just like to, you know, we're drawn to the end of our conversation now, but what I'd really like to ask you now is what do you most value in life? Now you have meant, hit on a lot of points of value that I we can see from listening to you as a part of you, but yeah, like maybe you would just say yourself, what do you value most in your life? I really value family life, to be quite honest with you, and being able to do things when I want them, without having to. And I, I know, I, look, I, I that was something that maybe was never a real big issue. It was never a real big issue for me in terms of in in the job. I mean, I could. I, I had a reasonable amount of holidays. I could have taken holidays and, and, and gone and traveled. But I can say that the day that I, I, I can recall the day that I met my, my manager and told him that I was planning on leaving, I literally felt a weight off my shoulders as I walked out. And I got on very well with that guy. I mean, you know, as I walked out the, as I walked out the door, I felt such a weight off my shoulders. And, you know, before I actually left, after I handed in my notice, I, I can remember visiting with with all of my family. We, we took a trip to visit a daughter who was in London, and we spent some fabulous times there. We had a, a, a fabulous. I mean, I'm from Galway. We we had a, a, a my daughter flew home for a, another weekend, and we spent 
together as a group in Dublin uh, for, for a weekend. Since then, I have traveled to different countries visiting, you know, and, you know, I've visited, I've been lucky enough to visit my daughter a couple of times in Dubai and spend time there. I got the opportunity of speaking at a number of business meetings in the World Trade Center in Dubai, and I didn't even know it existed before I left before I left my job. So you get these opportunities, you 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 know, in 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 work in work related issues, you get these opportunities that I would never have thought possible, I would never have dreamed about. I've seen a world outside of the organization. While to me, for twenty eight years within the organization, everything I did had some connection to my work. And when I when I left, there was so much outside there that I feel I was missing. Maybe I was missing it because maybe I had more of a closed mind, but I believe my mind opened much more. Um, so I, I, if, if that was, the, you know, that's something. Now, I will say maybe on the on the other side of it, initially when I left, see, when I was in, in this organization, I did have a, a huge network of people, I had a team. I could actually come out of my office. I could drop into a guy next door or I could uh, drive, you know, to different people down the corridor and go for coffee and that sort of stuff whenever, whenever I wanted it and, and that type of stuff. Uh, and that was all taken away. And it, the initial loss that that held was certainly I didn't have a sense of belonging, but there were opportunities because before long I joined a couple of business groups in Galway and suddenly I had a network of people again that I could connect with. And that was a huge, huge important, that was huge importance to me. And it was through that that I got the opportunities to speak in the World Trade Center in Dubai. And you know that that you know they were they were they were exciting times and exciting changes for me. They may to someone else who maybe was doing these things already, they might seem insignificant, but they weren't insignificant for me at the time. I did certainly get a buzz out of doing of doing those things that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise got to do. So I look at. Being able to being able to down tools, being being able to take time off. Last last summer we had uh, a fabulous warm summer, and I, you know I had family around. I was able to take time off whenever I needed, whenever I wanted, and you know it was nice being able to do that and to spend time where to me doing the important things in life. And you know I, I, don't, I certainly wouldn't regret those sort of things. So th- so that's the general a general gist as puzzle of what what uh, I find good about it. You know. So, and it all comes full circle in all the decisions that you made, all of that, you know, but, uh, you know, obviously family was always important, but now that you made that change, it's that it sounds to me like it really did improve your work-life balance. And I suppose you're a decision maker now and a leader yourself in the sense of you lead yourself in your own job and uh, you make all the decisions. And I suppose that gives people uh, a good sense of, of their own worth as well and keeps you on the edge as well. I mean, you always have to be, you know, fresh and with new ideas and all of that as well. 100%, but, I, but, I, but again, being a manager of my own time, you know, I can, you know, I, I, I can get up and I, again, I, it, it, you know, I, it's not that that opportunity wasn't there when I was in, in the organization in Chagas. But, you know, I can if I decide I want to take an afternoon off and I have yet have a lot of work to do, 
get up a little bit earlier in the morning and do it. <laughs> or work a little bit longer the evening before or whatever. And you can get those things out. You know, you, you still can get your work done and, st- and and create the time and having the flexibility, having the flexibility to do that. But that's that's part, I suppose, of the, the, the flexibility of being self-employed. I, you know, you, st- you still need to put in the put in the graft, but the but you know there there's there's satisfaction putting in the graft. When, when you know when you are getting the getting the value out of it and getting the getting the, the, the the work satisfaction and feeling that you're actually you're actually making a contribution to other people you're helping people helping other people achieve what they want and which is something I've I you know the, the the core of my business is trying to help people be the best that they can be so that they can actually enjoy their life and you know it it happens to be through their career. It happens to be so that they, if they can, if they can find the career, this, that career where they can feel inspired and they can feel happy, you know, that really, I mean, there's, there's a huge amount of satisfaction in that, you know, where, where, where I can take people through that process, even just to help them clarify what they want. And, you know, I mean, if you, if, if you think about jail, if you think you're going out, if you think you're looking for something and if you're, if, 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 if your next door neighbor is out in, out in the garden or out in the field and they're looking for something, and if you ask them, you say you have you come along and offer them to help. The first thing they've got to do is tell you what they're what they're actually looking for. Otherwise, you can't help them. But so, and if if you know what you're looking for, let's say it is a a, a hurling slitter and it's lost in the field somewhere, you know what that looks like. And if you don't like know what it looks like, you need someone to explain to you what it looks like. And once then once you know what it looks like, you have a far better chance of finding it. And it's just the same way as your job. If you know what you're looking for, you have a far far better chance of finding it. But you need to go through that process to find out what it is. And, you know, mo- most of us feel like making a contribution to other people. Like we feel like, you know, um, I suppose it's 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 I, I recently heard a, a farmer and I thought he, he was on a on a, a podcast or on, a, on a, a webinar that I was invited to do a talk on. And there was a, there was a farmer on before me and he said that um, while farming is going through a tough time in terms of income and all that, Something that really drives him is that he sees himself as feeding the people of the world. And I thought, my goodness, that's that's what's driving him. He's actually that drives him to go on and go through the tough times that he's actually helping to feed the people of the world. And I said, you know, if you if we if we if we can feel, you know, our nurses feel that they're making a contribution to the health and well-being of their patients. And it's a it's a it's a great feeling if you feel that you're actually making that contribution to somebody, whatever it is. I feel I making a contribution to helping people figure out the career that that is right for them, and I and I get satisfaction out of that. And you know they obviously get satisfaction by figuring figuring it out and 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 get, getting some sort of pointers and uh, into the direction that they, that they need to take so that they can actually start to enjoy life a little bit more. I mean, it is essential, isn't it? As a human being, you actually want to give you want to give back most people do anyway I mean some people don't but most people and actually this uh, you know sounds very airy fairy but the togetherness of people and everyone contributes and everyone has a different thing that they can contribute to life like you say it can be anything at all anything Absolutely. at all it yeah. could be making you know carrying the shopping in for your neighbor could give you immense satisfaction, not, not just your correct. job. Yeah, and, and you know, again, going back to people maybe defining themselves by their job, but there are so many other things. I mean, if you, you think about maybe um, a, a teacher, 
who has possibly taken off maybe time to to look after or to to, to while children were young. And it'll be typically the mother, but sometimes it's the father that has taken the time off to look after the children. And yet, if, if you talk to that person, they identify themselves as a teacher. And maybe they'll be back and back teaching and maybe, maybe unhappy or maybe not unhappy, but they define themselves as a teacher. And yet they have done so many things during the years that they were at home looking after their children. And, you know, there are a lot of skills and a lot of a lot of traits that they have used within that that actually could be huge pointers as to what they would do for the future. And it may be it may be their involvement in a local social club or a sports club or whatever that they will find the, find the real the real inspiration. They'll find the real qualities with, that's within themselves. So it's not just out of their work. I think you know we 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 get a lot of hints from every area of life. Uh, and you know if you, if you if you if you if you basically know how to figure that out, it actually can actually help you a long way and figure out what what actually is within you and and how to, how can you make that contribution. So that you actually feel yourself, you feel valued yourself, and you feel that you have actually that you are genuinely making a contribution, even if the people around you don't necessarily appreciate you all the time. If you if you know within your heart and soul that you've actually made a huge contribution, it actually helps a huge amount. Oh, Frank, this has been a very inspiring conversation for me, and I hope for our listeners as well. Have you anything uh, last little things? that you'd like to say or something I haven't asked you or something that you didn't get the chance to say? Uh, I, no, nothing really comes to mind, but just I will say that if, if there are listeners and there's some of the, the, the points that we have discussed, Jill, um, if it resonates with people, you know, my phone number, I, I can, I, I'll share it. It's, it's 0872832761. That's 0872832761. There's a, a, a banner here behind me Job Changer. There's a, I have a website, jobchanger.ie. I also have another website that I've set up recently. It's 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 really in addition to the to the the Job Changer business. It's Frank Hines Coaching, and if you look up at frankhinescoaching.com, you'll find stuff there. And that's probably even the simplest place to find stuff is frankhinescoaching.com. Get in contact with me, and we can have a quick chat. There's not going to be there's not that you know that there'll be no harm done, but we'll explore to see if if I have anything that might be of benefit to people, if I can actually help people, I certainly will. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really believe that, you know, life is too short to be letting it slip by, to be putting up with, with unhappiness in the workplace. And I, I, I think, you know, we can actually, you know, by working together, in, you know, and there's no reason, there's no reason why anything. I, I do, I firmly believe that organisations are going to have to start sitting up and taking notice. You know, the, I, I was speaking at the Future of Work conference in Dublin uh, back in November, and I was listening to a, a previous speaker that I'm prior to me, and she spoke about a huge amount of job opportunities coming up. Basically, they're already coming up, but over the next decade. And you see, there's, there's, there's two points, there are two ways of looking at that if you're not happy at the moment. It's going to be great opportunities to jump ship and get on another, get on another ship, get on another job. But without doing your homework, you might end up in the wrong job. I, to me, I would say that's a huge reason why you should, in actual fact, do the homework on yourself, do the work on yourself, figure out what you really want to do. Because 
you know, the last thing you want to do is is change jobs and be just as unhappy or even more unhappy. But by by a bit of planning and a bit of work, you can actually make sure that you are ready for those opportunities in the come and to find what is really good for you or what is something that will be inspiring for you. So I I, I would say there's a great there's a, there's a huge amount of opportunities available, but you know that that could actually work against you if you if you don't go about it the right way. Uh, so that's the, maybe the biggest encouragement. My, you know, frankhinescoaching.com is probably the easiest place to find my contact details, uh, but uh, but uh, I, I shared them there as well. Uh, our fr- um, email me at frank at jobchanger.ie. That's, uh, well, I'll be putting your contact details in the episode notes of the podcast. One other thing to ask you on that, do you do online consultations as well? Or are they in person or are they both? And do you work with people outside of Ireland for any international listeners that might be? Uh, yes, I, yeah, yes. I, I, the answer is is uh, yes to all of those. I do online stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I've had a deal with a couple of people there today online. And that's basically, you know, in fact, most of the work is probably done online now at this stage. Uh, that's and uh, maybe 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 COVID brought uh, brought brought about that change. Certainly, have no problem with uh, with dealing with with uh, people from outside of Ireland as well, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, so I'd be if I if I can help. Now, just something I would say within the 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 uh, Frankine's coaching uh, website, there is a page there. It's how to quit the job you hate. It's just a fairly simple title. But it describes an offer of a, a one-to-one consultation that I offer to people. I offer to people who are serious about making changes. I don't want, you know, it's not, it's not something that I, you know, but but if you if you if people go in there and they there's a there's a good at detail what we do on the call. And if you can, there's a number of questions. If you can answer yes to the questions, you know, you, you will see that the, the the call might be something that would be a benefit to you. Certainly. Check it out at least, and if if it's of benefit, go ahead and, and there's an opportunity there to book a call with me, and I I I'll I'll uh, I'd, I'd uh, take people through, you know, and see whether whether I can help people or not, and you know I do, I certainly I certainly don't want to, um, I don't want people to, let's say to to book to come to work with me if I cannot help them. I want to I don't I I want to really people work with people who I who I can help and who can who, can, who I believe I can seriously help in a, in a serious way. And there's okay. great integrity in that as well, Frank. Um, oh, thank you. What a, a really, it has been a very inspiring conversation for me. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on today. And well, thank you for, thank you for inviting me, Jill. I was delighted to be here. And I just, I do hope that, you know, some people get some value out of it. And, uh, you know, and I, I would, I seriously encourage people who are not, who are, who are not happy, you know, whether it's through whether whether you whether you come back to come to me looking for a bit of help or what, I would say you know that there are there are other people out there, there there are agencies out there. I, I'm not too sure there's anybody that does exactly what I do, but there's certainly opportunities for you to 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 make changes. And I would say you know do something for yourself. You know make that decision and make that decision and take some steps to take yourself in the right direction. It's 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 absolutely well worth it. And life is too short all the way. I know. And it's not a cliche that life is too short. The years do literally fly by. So um, time to make a change if you really, really feel that uh, that's what you want to do at the moment. Well, thank you again, Frank. Um, Thank you for listening to this Lady Time conversation. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. 
Please do share it with your friends, family, and on your social media, and subscribe to Lady Time. You can like us or even love us on our Facebook page by searching for Lady Time Podcasts, where you'll find all of our links and see what we're up to. And if you'd like to share any private feedback or tell us what you'd like to hear more of, or even if you have a midlife story of your own you think may be of interest to us, you can email us at ladytimepodcast at protonmail.ch. That's P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot C-H. Until our next episode, bye for now.